When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to go prop shopping. Take out those grocery carts. Let's do some prop shopping. And please make sure to return your grocery carts back into oh, the, come the on, area Ed. where it's supposed to go. You got to. <laughs> don't just leave them out in the middle of the parking lot. Come on now. I don't think Let's Ed was here for that your confession. Yeah, I don't think Ed was here for your confession oh, about being wasn't. yeah about being a non-grocery cart returning person. Yeah. I I am the jerk who leaves it right in the middle of the stall next to the, my car. Do not put grocery carts back. Not my thing. We need an intervention. Not my thing. (laughs) Not my thing is a crazy way to say that. Can't be bothered. (laughs) Stealing things. Yeah, and now that I have a kid, I'm just (laughs) such a savage. Like, I can't be bothered with putting this back. I'm going to do whatever I want. Leave this here. Maybe it'll hit some cars later. I don't care. Not my problem. I cannot wait for the day that Hawk's car just gets smoked by By a random grocery car. And she's going to come on this show and be so heated. She's going to put out APB for this person. And then it's going to be like, well, I I do have a story about that. So this was before I was mom. I had took my brother's kids to Target and I'm getting them in the car. I barely know what I'm doing. And the grocery cart starts rolling down and hits another car. And the lady started yelling at me and I'm like freaking out. Maybe, I don't know, Aaron, maybe Instacart, maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Maybe that's the only shopping cart you should be around these days. I actually only use Instacart. I also like lose my wallet and driver's license. I'm, I'm I'm terrible. Instacart is good for me. I can't be bothered. with. I can't imagine like going grocery shopping with a child. Like I can barely go grocery shopping Mm -hmm. by myself and like not forget things. Yeah. So. It's right. a horrible experience, and then you end up buying, like, cupcakes and balloons and things you don't even need just so your kid is happy and you can get out of there in peace. Terrible experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or or say you're, you're cheap like me and you bring your own bags with you because you have to get charged a, a dime a bag. Nah, you just, you just hit that so... zero button on the bags at yeah. the self-checkout. It's kind, it's you kind just of gotta like, hit that zero yeah, button. It's kind of like oh, the uh, yeah, paper yeah. towel on the bottom bottom rung of the shopping cart that you just kind of oh, forget I about. I have that again. I have no issues hitting the zero on the bags. Like, brother, you do not. Big Jewel does not need the seven cents for the bags. 
seven cents. It's ten cents over here. Also, oh, the, also I'm pretty sure the attendants like bags. wouldn't care if you like punch them in the face on the way out. Like those people, I feel bad for them. Yeah, they don't look like the happiest people <laughs> in the world. Yes, going from violence to that, that's good. Anyway. I always like it when it's like a teenager working there. I'm like, oh yeah, they're not ready. Careful, me hawk out for anything. <laughs> Phrasing, yeah. <laughs> Eighteen plus, obviously. <laughs> Right, Still freezing, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Jeez, come on. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Aaron Hawksworth, Paul Aspen, all here with you as we kick off hour number two. And before we get to our divisional weekend prop shopping, got to let you know about a Twitter poll that we have just posted at BetQL Daily. Please make sure you are following us if you have not done so already. Our Twitter poll question is this. Which of these NFL position groups left in the playoffs would you power rank the highest? We've got the 49ers weapons. We've got the Ravens secondary. We've got the Chiefs pass rush. Or you can vote for the almighty other. And then please write in who you would like to see so that we have a better idea of who you guys think uh, could be one of the great position groups. So please make sure to go to at Daily on X and uh, cast your vote and make your voice heard. All right, so now let's get into some prop shopping here, and let's start with the Texans and the Ravens. Baltimore, nine-and-a-half-point favorites here, uh, moving down to nine, as a matter of fact. Uh, total has uh, inched down just a little bit to 44. So as you look at the prop market here, Aaron, what stands out to you? Hmm. it's a good one. I wasn't as dialed into this game, but I am tempted just to look at CJ Stroud and Nico Collins, because if they're going to stick around in this game <laughs> and even cover this number, I mean, with the great quarterback play that we're getting from CJ Stroud, like I wouldn't be surprised if they can co cover this large number. Um, so I wouldn't overlook this Texans team, even though they are young and, uh, you know, we keep saying it like CJ Stroud got another challenge check. He rises to the occasion, you know, every time. Now the prop is pretty high when I did last look at it. Let me double check his passing yards. Make sure. I believe it was like 71 and a half around there mm -hmm. for Nico. Yeah. Okay. And then Stroud 243 and a half, um, 242 and a half. I'm seeing there's even a 248. So this is, wow, all over the place. I would bet this now um, over. He can easily go over that, but this is also a very, very good Ravens defense. So, um, gosh, I was he had 340-something earlier this year against a good defense. Uh, so he's obviously – or was that in, like, the 500s? Remember when he had that crazy game? Uh, was that against – I want to say that? it was, like, October <laughs> – was it the Titans? Maybe. Um, let's see. I'm looking it up right now. I was also I was off on Nico, or it got bet up. I see a seventy-eight and a half and an eighty-two and a half. So, uh, some higher it was numbers. Four seventy against Tampa Bay. I remember. Oh. I, mm -hmm. I was a little off. I said five hundred something, but yeah, he had, he went off with five touchdowns that game. So he's definitely capable of doing it against some pretty good teams. Um, but it does seem like a sharp number. I would still go over. Uh, if you think the Texans can cover, he's going to have to go over that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Like the rushing attack for the Texans, like with Singletary, guys like that, like it, it can be good. It has been good in spurts. 
But the only way that the Texans keep up is if C.J. Stroud goes nuclear, which he can. Like, he absolutely can. And as far as the rookie argument goes, like, maybe it's just Mm -hmm. not enough. But I do think at a very minimum, he will be at an average level, which means, you know, something to the effect of having a ton of yards, I think, makes a whole lot of sense. And it's funny that we're talking about Stroud because I also looked at a prop for him that I wanted to get your thoughts on, Aaron. What if C.J. Stroud does not throw an interception, despite the fact that I am waxing poetic about all the great things that this Baltimore secondary can achieve? I do wonder if Stroud is just protective just enough to where he's not going to throw a pick. He's not going to throw into tight windows. And maybe it's a more conservative game plan or if, say, somebody can blow the top off the defense like a Nico Collins where there's like five yards of separation. Yeah, he'll throw there. But otherwise, he's not going to take too many risks. And in that respect, I am seeing plus money for him not to throw a pick. What do you think? Well, one, I don't think he's going to be nervous, you know, and like Mm -hmm. rattled by this situation. He already played this team once already, too. So I I think both you can't really look into that too much, but it's not like it's a new situation for him. Um, And I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to back down. Now, if they are really playing from behind, I could see him trying to force some things and him throw one. But he has been so disciplined and so good that he hasn't thrown an interception in six games. So you Mm got to go back. He did throw three. against the Cardinals and that was November 19th before that after that zero so I like that I I actually do like over one and a half passing touchdowns at plus 150 more though um that might be one of my favorite bets for him I do like the the plus price either side of the interception prop at plus 130 I like if if that was the price on the over I would take that so under I still like I love the price on that under like no interception at plus 130 I think that's a great price the Ravens run defense has been beatable especially on early downs like not great like bottom third of the league so I'm wondering it is a low number on Devin Singletary, so I'm wondering if he like if it turns into a you know a blowout, then obviously the game script goes against you. But 57 and a half seems like a reachable number. But the one I have circled, Texans have allowed the fifth most receiving yards to tight ends and five touchdowns. But are we getting Mark Andrews or are, like is he fully healthy? Like that's what I'll be watching this week because I think if he is back. It might just be sort of like Laporta last week. Oh, we don't know what we're getting. No, they're going to go to their guy that dominates um, against the defense that right. they, they can beat him with. And so I think that same could be the case with Mark Andrews. But either of their tight ends I would look at depending on health status and all that. And you might have to go up to game time. There are no numbers posted for those guys, which makes sense at this point. Uh, but that's the main angle I had circled in this one. Even if Andrews plays, isn't it worth it to maybe play likely because his number will probably go down and Andrews might just be out there as a decoy? Yeah. I had a similar process with Laporta last week, and I believe the – but, like, I mean, it was a dark – Brock Wright is not Isaiah likely. Like, that's not a good comp. Um, But, yeah, there there is that – and especially it's not like likely is just this – plug-and-play guy, all right, well, he's the backup tight end, so he might get a red zone look. No, he has been, like, a legit threat for them. So, yeah. Lamar loves him. Yeah. And, I mean, now he's used to it, Mm -hmm. so that could definitely be an angle there if you're getting a bargain price unlikely. And, and Jake, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because even though the Ravens have not played just a ton of 12 personnel, in fact, they have one of the lower rates in the NFL – I also trust the infrastructure with the Ravens to where they can play more 12 
just because they're they're just that far advanced and that much smarter than everybody else they can find ways and look they have an extra week off to prepare right like they probably knew what the timeline for recovery was for mark andrews and so maybe he's just a decoy maybe he plays limited time whatever it is but still though those formations can be foreign enough for this texans defense that they are less likely to be equipped and prepared for it and sometimes just having a unique look can make a defense do some very wacky and unfortunate things likely first touchdown Oh, geez. Could. I mean, if you're getting. Wow. Yeah, if Andrews is up, I think that's definitely worth looking at. (laughs) Okay. Good deal. Uh, How about we move on now to the Packers and the 49ers? Right now, San Francisco, nine and a half point favorites, still a high total of 50 and a half. What props are you shopping for here, Aaron? This one, it's a similar process as CJ Stroud. I was on both these guys last Friday in Lightning Bets. Um, to go over their passing touchdowns, and it both both of them hit. So I do find it interesting that both C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love, these young um, quarterbacks who are playing so well right now, are playing really good defenses, but their value is so different. Like C.J. Stroud, you're getting plus money on the over one-and-a-half passing touchdowns, but Jordan Love, it's minus 114 is the best number. Some, some books have it even worse. Jordan loves passing yard prop 246 and a half very similar to Stroud's as well but I it's just a similar thought process here if these young guys are going to be able to cover um, against these really good teams that they're facing in elite defenses they're gonna have to be passing the ball and I think they'll go over Mm -hmm. this I think this is low they're they're both capable of it Mm mm-hmm no, I, I, I'm with you there. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And it is probably a, a slightly similar uh, approach when it comes to, say, looking at this 49ers offense. Brock Purdy's longest pass completion is set at 39 and a half yards. You're going up against mm. a Joe Barry defense, boys and girls. Lots of explosives available for you. Lots of great targets available for you. Whether it's to George Kittle or Ayuk, it doesn't matter. I got to think there are at least a few bombs available for purdy so i think he will hit one that is at least for 40 yards and the packers run defense packers run defense just stays bad just stays bad so i'm I'm like is it just as easy as cmc over 87 and a half like rushing yards uh so that's i mean it's chalky but it's tough for me to see him not getting there but Oh, we're doing Packers receiver roulette again. I was all over Jaden Reed last week against the Cowboys. Zero catches for zero yards for zero everything. But if you want to go galaxy brain, maybe Matt LaFleur, who knows Kyle Shanahan and has worked with him, is like, you know what? I'll show you Dobbs in this game, and then I'm going to hit you with Jaden Reed when you don't see it coming. That's the best case I have for Jaden Reed. But, like, how do you even evaluate these receivers? How do you pick one? Is it just ran? Like, are you just firing a dart at Dobbs over 36.5, Reed over 40.5, I mean, Wicks over 35.5, Dobbs and Wicks obviously got in the end zone? Like, how do you guys even approach the Packers receivers? Or do you not? Mm -hmm. I worry that this was just fool's gold from last week and that severe regression is coming. Like, I don't believe it in my heart of hearts. But I also want to be prepared for that. So in that respect, I I would be a little nervous. Plus, you know, this is a different challenge where this 49ers defense, they're going to come prepared. 
Like they've seen what the Packers are trying to do. And the Cowboys was a really, really big mistake in terms of how they prepped for say heavier jumbo packages, things like that. So I, I probably won't touch Packers receivers personally. Uh, super quick, uh, Chiefs, Bills, Buffalo, two and a half point favorites here. Aaron, what do you like? Yeah, so as I was doing the power ranking stuff, high on the Chiefs defense, Legereus Sneed absolutely shut down Tyreek Hill. It had me thinking, what is he going to do to Stephon Diggs? If Sneed can contain Hill to 62 yards, I like under 64 and a half for Diggs. I like that one. We will circle back to some more prop shopping later in the program. Meantime, this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Brad Spielberger will join us shortly to give his favorite sides for the divisional round. That's coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still to come, we have more divisional round prop shopping to do. And of course, we will have Rick Camp uh, coming up in a little bit to talk about the NBA and some of his favorite bets for tonight. But joining us now, as he does on Wednesdays, is none other than one of our favorite football guests around. That's Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. So when it comes to recapping last weekend, it is painfully obvious that Matt LaFleur outcoached the Dallas Cowboys, uh, specifically when it came to, say, 12 personnel. Uh, this Cowboys defense just wasn't prepared for it, and they were absolutely able to burn them. And I'm curious when we look at this divisional round, if you see other coaching mismatches that we can pounce upon. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I think you see uh, both of those Shanahan schemes that had the upsets, the young, plucky quarterbacks going up against, you know, first day against Dallas and then Houston, the great Cleveland defense. The difference between those teams and Fran has this set up because they know how to stop their own offense is the off-ball linebacker play, the coverage over the middle, both linebackers and safeties is infinitely better, right? I mean, in Dallas, they basically don't have linebackers. They were sitting there in dime with a bunch of 220-pound safeties getting blown off the ball, um, and that's why that game was ugly. And then Cleveland has, you know, Jeremiah Wusukormo makes some plays in the backfield, but, you know, he doesn't cover well. The, the other, Sione Takitaki doesn't cover well. So anyway, um, I think that's the big pivot point is I get we fall in love with the, these offenses. They both played exceptionally well. I'm not saying they can't again, but – Attack in the middle of the field, using play action to move these the second level defenders and, and you know kind of muck up the, the middle of the field. Probably not going to work uh, against maybe I don't know the best two linebacker duos in the NFL right now in Baltimore and San Fran. So that is important. It's a good note, kind of the, the stylistic changes. I don't see any any big mismatch, you know, glaring weakness going forward like I did in that uh, last week. Um, I think that it's a much better matchup, you know, across the board, uh, offense versus defense in, in the divisional round. On Saturday, we've got two really buzzy young quarterbacks in C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love who have been playing very well, and they're going to be trying to cover nearly double-digit spreads. <laughs> how do you rate both of these guys, and how much does – 
Like, do we put too much stock in like, oh, he's young. He doesn't have any playoff experience. Does that matter as much now or specifically with these two guys? Like, how do you rate that? I actually, I feel bad now. I forget who said it, but there, there was a good breakdown from someone on Twitter. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Like, the, the playoff team with more experience, at least in the wild card round, and they were talking about that. So maybe as you advance, who knows, maybe the pressure mounts up. But they were saying if you just went by, you know, whether it was average age or even just, you know, playoff games played by the roster, even if you shrunk that down to focus on just the quarterbacks or just starters, things of that nature, there was zero signal. And like, oh, this team has played more playoff games, therefore they're more prepared. Like, it's not really a thing. So, like I said, it, I do think at a certain point, though, you know, divisional round against the Baltimore and the San Fran, a team that makes the playoffs every single year, that frankly, divisional round is not a successful season to them. Whereas Houston and Green Bay, like, everything is house money. At the same time as I say that, I think that's the big thing for me. You don't have any pressure. The guys are playing fast. They're playing loose. They're all 22 years old. They don't even know what's going on. And I think there's almost like a positive energy in that. Um, there's no fear of like, oh, if we lose, yeah, you're 10-point dogs and no one expects you to win. So it's kind of funny how that, how that stuff plays out. But long answer short, for Stroud, I'm really not worried. I mean, the guy just is phased by nothing. And, and I think we're seeing more and more on a week-to-week basis. He's so cool, calm, collected, under pressure. Um, the one knock on him was that play under pressure, and he danced around it all day long in that Cleveland game. I think Laramie Tunsil should be healthy, should be able to play, will obviously be massive after he kind of, you know, shut down Miles Garrett in that first round. Jordan Love can be a little bit dancy in the pocket when there's pressure, um, but even him navigated it quite well, had a bunch of nice off-platform throws and and weird arm angles to kind of, you know, get around Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. So long answer short, like you, you could see that regress a little bit because it, historically it's been a problem for both of them in their career. Weekday after GM. stuff is Cycle on Takes the first one. So, like, literally no one's playing. Hey, you know who else is thinking about this stuff? Everyone else. 
I'm fantasizing about week one NFL Sunday. Check about weeknights here on the BetQL Network. I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Oh! Yes! Let's go, Kansas State. So they're also like diverse in the skill sets they have, which enables them to do all of that. So, yeah, I, I mean, that is going to be a problem because CJ Stroud against the Blitz in the first round, I mean, he carved him up. He got the ball out quickly. Um, he knew where his hot route was, and, and, and it was not you know much of a problem. So they'll bring some pressure, I'm sure. But the bigger thing, like you said, is probably going to be – just showing him coverage looks he's never seen before, and I'm sure we're going to hear from him after the game, good or bad. Like, yeah, I saw some stuff that I've never played against in my career. <laughs> I love it. Amoeba, great term. Okay, so let's look at some props. Like, I want to open it up to you. Like, we were talking about strengths and some of the units left in the playoffs and ranking them, but where, what matchup are you looking to expose in the prop market? Yeah, I think one big one for me is uh, Mike Evans uh, against the Detroit Lions. So, you know, we're continuing to see this Dave Canales offense. We know it's going to be a play-action offense. They want to take deep shots and push the ball down the field. That's always going to be Mike Evans. The big thing for me, and I want to go alt-tier, is Canales, so far this year, his sequencing, he's been one of the biggest, you know, run-run-pass offensive coordinators in the entire NFL the Bucs had a 75% pass rate on early downs in that Eagles game, and they had a positive game script for almost the entire game, and they were still a lot of throwing the football a ton on early downs, which I love, and I think they're going to approach this the same. The Lions' run defense is an elite unit. They've been that way the entire year. They shut down a really good Rams rushing attack with Kyron Williams. They're really, really stout against the run, but you can throw against them. Matthew Stafford averaged over 10 yards per attempt. It's been a problem all year long, and in particular – you know, Cameron Sutton's their number one corner. He's a 5'11", probably on a good day, you know, inside-outside flex. He's playing outside right now, but he's been a slot in his career. Like, that's the guy I assume is going to be playing against Mike Evans. I love Mike Evans' props in that matchup. And I, I wouldn't even go the normal, I think it's 64 and a half. I, I would go alts there and just say, hey, I'm betting on, you know, he had a couple drops in that game. He probably should have had way more production in the first round than he did, which I also mm -hmm. like. Um, I'm going 80 plus 90 plus. I just go for him catching one of those patented, you know, 70 yard touchdown bombs and, and then play off of that. He's Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, here on BetQL Daily. The Buccaneers are plus 220 on the money line. Is there some value sprinkling something there? I, I don't hate it. I, I don't. Their defense does give up explosive plays at one of the highest rates in, in the entire NFL. Um, you know, they were good this past week, and, and they're always a good run defense. So maybe, in theory, you get some, you know, second and long, third and long Jared Goff, as opposed to, obviously, the run game has been great for them and has set up a lot of favorable looks. And then when you lose Khalif Raymond, like I know they still have Jamison Williams, who obviously can break off an explosive whenever, but maybe you can mitigate that a little bit if you're Tampa. Part of the reason they gave up so many explosives too was they lost you know, both their starting corners for a long stretch of the season. Those guys are both back and playing now. So, yeah, I think if you are going to play Tampa, I'd rather yeah, – I mean, the spread's nice, but – I think that the way you look at that narrative is like, just play the money line. And like you said, go for the value there. Um, because I, I, it's interesting. Like, I, I think it is going to come down to Dave Canales, like not falling back into some former trends. If they run the ball in early downs, they're going to be, you know, Baker's going to be sitting back there on third and nine getting killed. So um, it, it's like almost the script I would say is if, if they're playing well, if they have a positive game script, I, I like it a lot more. Um, and you might as well take money line at that point.
So really quick, now you got me all excited about Mike Evans props. Longest reception, 24 and a half, like over, right? Like that seems like a good play too. Right. I, wanted... I think the way he – yeah, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, sorry, sorry. Just to say, I, I think that's how you get there is, is some, some big-time catches from Mike Evans. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to look at a lot of his props. Thank you for that. I also wanted to ask you about Legarius Sneed because he absolutely shut down Tyreek Hill, held him to 62 yards. So I'm thinking, what is he going to do to Diggs? Would you be looking at anything in that matchup? Yes, for sure. So uh, the pivot there, because uh, I agree with you, I think that's going to be a tough matchup. I think you'll get not only Legarius Sneed on Diggs, but they'll have some safety shadowing as well. Uh, we don't know about Gabe Davis. We'll see if he plays. Not 100% certain he will. I think you go Dalton Kincaid. I think he actually played better than his production. He had the almost second touchdown with a really nice pass breakup from Alandon Roberts uh, in the end zone from Pittsburgh. And he's just been more and more of a focal point of that offense. They love running him up the seam on deep deep patterns, you know, some some uh, corner routes uh, into, into the sideline. Like they really like using him now in, in, in more and more different ways. And Josh Allen trusts him, you know, throwing downfield. So, it, the, the Chiefs aren't bad covering tight ends, but I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a strong suit. Um, I think that's how you play it if you want to play off of Stephon Diggs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's also interesting when we're looking at, at Chiefs and Bills because Josh Allen, certainly sensational on Monday, yet at the same time, the Chiefs do have like a couple of additional days to prepare. And they're also equipped to handle the cold environment that they will be playing in. And it won't be nearly as bad in all likelihood than uh, what perhaps it would have been uh, last Sunday. So I'm curious if there are some sort of built-in advantages for KC that may not be reflected in the spread. Yeah, I played KC Moneyline, you know, Sunday night, 10 minutes after the, the games ended, uh, or I guess Monday night, whatever it was, um, because <laughs> the two days extra rest to me is very meaningful. Like I know, and the injuries, I mean, the injuries in Buffalo have been insane. And now we're wondering, like, I think Rasul Douglas will play. I think he said he would, but is Christian Benford going to play a corner? I know Kyer Elam had the interception in the end zone. The two plays before that, he got bowled over <laughs> uh, trying to make a tackle in open space. And then had a like it just grabbed onto a receiver and had a, the easiest defensive holding call a ref has ever made. So he's not playing very good football right now. And I think people say, oh, he had this great interception in the end zone. He did, not taking that away from him, but I, he'll get picked on it, no question about it. So, and then at linebacker, Terrell Bernard and Tyrell Dotson have been really good for them, filling in for Matt Milano once they get their feet underneath them. Both of those guys got hurt in this game. I, I think Bernard will return, or I think Dotson will return. Terrell Bernard got like, like, like carted off with the cast. I, I assume he's done. So mm -hmm. over the middle is going to be a problem. Uh, but yeah, and then the, the rest advantage too. I know Casey hasn't played particularly great, but the offense did look pretty good. Uh, and like you said, I mean, probably worse conditions than Buffalo played in. Um, and the two days extra rest just means a lot to me. So I, I played Kansas City right away. Love it. I know we've kind of been bouncing around. What else do you like, whether it's side, total, props, anything else um, left that we didn't touch on? Yeah, another prop I love uh, is George Kittle props in, in that Green Bay-San Francisco game. Um, you know, it's just the, the safety play and, and the off-ball linebacker play. They, they drafted Quay Walker to kind of be this guy. Devondre Campbell can sometimes be this guy, but they just, they are bottom five in the NFL or bottom 10 in the NFL and like EPA per drop back on targets to tight ends. All the traditional stats, they're just not very good uh, against tight ends. You know, yards per coverage snap, they've missed a bunch of tackles. Like everything against covering tight ends has not gone well for Green Bay. Um, and I expect the Niners to score a ton of points. I even don't hate the team total is 30 and a half. I, I 
it's not out yet, I don't think, but just implied based on the spread and the total. I think that the team total for San Fran will be right around that 30 number. Um, so that as a prop, and then I like George Kittle props a lot. About 30 seconds left. Any passing, rushing, receiving playoff props that stand out to you as far as someone who will finish the playoffs uh, leading in any of these categories? Interesting. I haven't even looked at that market if I'm being 100% frank with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you play it as like a team based on teams advancing and, and going far, I guess maybe if you want to get really risky and, and take a long shot, you can maybe look into Mark Andrews. I don't know if he's going to play in this round. If he is, maybe you, you try to take a long shot on a guy that should lead uh, an offense that maybe could go far. So he's an interesting play there. Or, you know, I guess you could go Amon Ross St. Brown. Probably a chalky play. I'm guessing he's one of the favorites. Mm-hmm. But if they win again in this game, I really think, the, you know, see – I don't love a Niners matchup with Detroit, but but I think it's fairly wide open, and, and you know Amon Ra is going to get his every single week. Good stuff. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, more divisional round prop shopping, and maybe we'll get Aaron to return her cart coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily. We are back at the grocery store. We are not stealing paper towels knowingly or unknowingly. We are back there to find more props that we want to pick up for our week. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speak for yourself. Yeah, the grocery carts are flying around the parking lot. Oh, good. This economy. Yeah, right. I think we're just discovering that this show is a crime conglomerate. <laughs> it really is. I've been actually like, listening to a book about the Cuban mob, and I see some similarities. But <laughs> Maybe not. I'm not surprised by that. No, I mean, like, there's, like, racketeering and, you know, all that. Of course. Plotting. No, no. Um, shoplifting has a become a theme. Shop? What has shoplifting? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I am hey, not copying whoa, to anything listen. like that. Allegedly. Yeah, but also if there no. was some <laughs> alleged accidental cart shenanigans... You know, I can't speak Cart to misconduct. that. Cart misconduct. Cart <laughs> misconduct. Yeah, right. And, you know, misconduct. seven cents for a plastic bag when you're just going to take it back to recycle it at the <laughs> same store anyway. Ed, Ed's about to call all the local police stations in like, Chicago. I know. No, 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 I'm not a narc. I'm not a narc. No, let's not go that far. In fact, that's more <laughs> more offensive than the shoplifting thing, I think. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm some kind of a squealer somewhere. unnecessarily. Although I will admit, Very I was nice. a hall monitor for a little bit in elementary school. Oh God, were you an oh, RA my too? Gosh. No, no, I was not an RA. Definitely was. I was not ever willing to do that. But I was a hall monitor as a kid for a little bit, and I was telling the youngsters, "Hey, slow down." I was a safety. I was a lieutenant uh, with the what? safety badges, like when you're walking out of school and like down the path or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. I was a crossing guard too. Yeah, those yeah. lit. Right. Oh, nice. <laughs> I always nice wanted to be badge. a crossing guard. Uh-huh. Still really? time. <laughs> I bet there's still time. Go to the day. You don't have to stop. I'm sure they got some spots open. Yeah. Like, especially after retirement, too. that seems like a nice post-retirement thing to do. Like, because then you're <laughs> yeah. like the cool old person. Like, if we did but this now. there were some mean ones. Terrible. There were some, like, I mean crossing, crossing guards. I was like, no one's forcing you to be here. Why are you here? Like, what is, mm-hmm. why? That's Yelling at point. kids every day. And then yeah. there's the cool, nice ones. They're basically right. like everyone's grandparents. I don't know if I like kids corner. enough to be a crossing guard nowadays. I might get annoyed. 
Yeah, based on things that were said earlier today, I would uh, have to say no, Aaron. You're probably not cut out for that. I like my kid, but I don't like a lot of other kids. I'll just put it that way. That dynamic, I understand. You like your own kids, so. Whoa. I mean, you could go like undercover oh, wow. crossing guard, and then, well, no, that, that, that would be a little sounds dark. a little problematic. No, I, saying, no I meant like if there's like kids that you're out what? to get. Like revenge on on. You're trying you know, to get revenge on these kids. Oh, I'm just saying, like hypothetically, if I were in that situation <laughs> that has been talked about on the show, I'm just saying if there's shenanigans going on, maybe teach up. the kids a lesson. Paul's mm-hmm. beefing with the neighborhood kids. What is happening? Well, it right wasn't now? me. I was channeling someone else's situation on the show. Oh, by the way, really quick, speaking of neighborhood kids, Surely at like eleven really o'clock. Quick. The kids next door decided to start shoveling and then play football outside. Woke me up. I was about to cuss them out. I was so mad. Is that disrespectful to wake the neighborhood up? Or are you okay with that? neighborhood you live in where they have enough light to play football at 11 p.m.? There was no reflecting off, I guess. Yeah. Isn't that what parks are for? That's facts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it was just playing football... I think that's different from like the whole shoveling it out, like shoveling. It was is not, so loud. Yeah, loud. Yeah. yeah. Like unless I... you have an overnight job, there was no reason for you to be out there at almost midnight causing a racket. Like also, <laughs> why you, are they shoveling and playing on the concrete? Yeah. I don't think there was a lot of grass, questions right? that I had. There was like I, I six kids out there. I'm like, where mm-hmm. are the they, parents? Yeah, they obviously have off from school tomorrow or today. Facts. Right. Oh, they probably got that like late notice that they were yeah. off today. And let's, go like, let's go play go football. Yeah. Snow football. Right. Snow football. What one right. ringleader? Yeah. But I'm no days off. A... And I'm I'm about to open up my window and start yelling at them. I did stop myself, but I was really annoyed. It would be kind of fun if you just like open the window and yelled, "Holding!" And you started yelling penalties on the kids during their, during their yeah, game. Right. Yeah, but then Hawks Hawks asking for a snowball to the face then, though. Yeah. Like, then that's a whole nother thing. And they'd thing. also be, oh, she's that's cool fair. with it when you're not. Facts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Call cops next Ejections, yep. you probably get the same result. Ooh, like, oh, foul. Go to the showers. Call, call the cops <laughs> on the kids playing football at 11 p.m. But also make sure they don't know it's you because then you're just yeah, you're true. done for. Right. That's the inner crossing guard coming out right there. Right, I appreciate full circle. that. Mm, yeah, exactly. Th- those things never, never leave you. Anyway, welcome back to BQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Aaron Hawksworth, Paul Aspen, Jake Hassan, all here with you. And we're going to go back to some prop shopping for Divisional Weekend. And uh, we talked about the uh, first couple of games, uh, the Saturday games, uh, briefly got into Chiefs and Bills. But Aaron, I'll ask, is there anything else from that contest that really stands out to you? Uh, Or you can also repeat what you said earlier. (laughs) Well, I won't do that. (laughs) But after talking to uh, Brad, he's got me thinking Kincaid now. So I was looking at his Mm -hmm. receiving yard prop, 38 and a half pulled up his game log in the break and I love that look. I think that's a good one. So I'll probably be on that. You probably have to practice some uh self-discipline here because all of a sudden I'm loving a lot of props. Interesting. Interesting. I mm-hmm. you know it's interesting when when we're talking about like Josh Allen interceptions and I get that like there's there's always this problem with him and you know throwing them and all that stuff. But over half an interception here is minus 120. 
And I wonder if part of that is game script is going to suggest that they're going to run the ball a little bit more, that they're going to be fewer pass attempts, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe this is not a pass defense uh, that can get takeaways, things like that. But you do get nicked for an interception if, say, you chuck one 60 yards and it basically functions as a punt on third and long. Like, that still counts as an INT. And I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen does throw one of those, like, quote-unquote, meaningless interceptions. Like, it may not be so much the turnover battle that I care a lot in terms of the game in general, but I do think that Allen will succumb to something like an INT that doesn't matter all that much just because that's part of his game plan where, like, hook maybe I can get pass interference called here, or maybe Stefan Diggs can make the play or, or Shakir can make that catch, whatever it is. I wouldn't be surprised if Allen does throw like really a couple and maybe I'll look at say more than one here, but definitely a minimum of over a half at minus 120 is a good look for me, Paul. Yeah. I'm wondering if this is like a Josh Allen passing game. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the you could look at the rushing too, like do whatever it takes to win. I think that's in the 40s. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it yesterday, but 227 and a half is still out there for his passing yards. It's just not that hard to throw for 250 yards when you're a guy like Josh Allen or kind of any quarterback. Like I would take the same process towards Baker maybe. His number's in the 240s. You could do an alt number there. But as far as this game, like some other options, like this Bills defense, like if they're just losing parts and leaking oil, like – can't don't you just hand it to Pacheco over and over again? Fourteen and a half attempts, yeah. uh, sixty-two and a half rushing yards. Like those are very attainable numbers. I feel like I do not feel as much the same about James Cook. Like it was a James Cook game last time they played. Ten carries for fifty-eight yards, five receptions for seventy-three yards, and a touchdown. His number, the rushing number, is sixty and a half. So I just don't know that they're going to stick with that. Uh, 16 and a half receiving yards is interesting for sure. His total is 85 and a half for rushing plus receiving. So if you think it's going to be a James Cook game again, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to pull the trigger there. And then Rashi Rice, 21 and a yeah. half for his longest reception. Isn't he the splash play guy? Like, Has to I be. just think that, yeah. And again, the weather oh. does not look, I saw a headline. Oh, snow's coming to Buffalo again. Sunday looks clear. And, like, cold, but not, like, frozen temperatures cold. So I don't know that this is going to be – that. and we saw the Chiefs throw it in, like, horrible I was just gonna say, last week. What, 130 so yards for Rasheed Rice with right. Andy Reid's frozen beard? Like, your mustache, I should say. If they could do that again. <laughs> with, with, with whatever ingredients went into that mustache, could be anything. Doesn't matter what they are. I don't want to ask, but – yeah, there, there's probably some sort of brilliance also uh, baked in there. So, yeah, I, I think anything Rasheed Rice probably also works as maybe the only deep threat for the Chiefs. How about the Buccaneers and the Lions? Uh, Detroit, six and a half point favorites here, total of 48 and a half. What props are you shopping for here, Aaron? Well, once again, thanks to Brad, I'm looking at Mike Evans. Um, mm-hmm. Brad gave us some options, but longest reception over 24 and a half. I love that. Um, it's minus 113 is the best number. So I'll probably be looking at a lot of Mike Evans, some Baker, uh, in this one. I know I've been doing this a few times now, but I just can't help myself. 
I think that Rashad White is just that next pass-catching running back where he's not going to be able to run the ball efficiently in the slightest, so maybe they just don't even try. Like, if Dave Canales really is that smart and really is supposed to be a head coach and waiting somewhere, then he's going to be passing the ball a good bit more than he has all season long. So I think Rashad White, with over 21.5 receiving yards, that's a look I love, Paul. Yeah, I'm looking at a couple. I mentioned the Baker alts just at a low number. Like Goff's number of 270 and a half. I had some alts on him. He just didn't quite to get to 300 last week, even though he looked like he was well on pace. But Baker over 245 and a half, and I think some bigger numbers there. Go back to the Kate Ottenwell, plus 420, plus 390 for a a touchdown, over 29 and a half maybe. But um, the Bucs have allowed the third, third most receiving yards to tight ends and seven touchdowns, so... Sam Laporta looks perfectly healthy. Like, I don't know why they wouldn't go back to him. So plus 160 for a touchdown. Uh, Very attainable number for him as well, I believe. Got to look up the exact number. Uh, But it was on the lower side, I felt like. So it looks like it is uh, not listed here. 35 and a half. 35 and a half. I thought it was in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It sounded right. And then, granted, the Eagles were garbage the other night. But Devonta Smith just, like, he didn't do much. He just ran down the field, and Jalen Hurts hit him. So, like, the burner for the Lions, is, I mean, other than Amon Ra, Jameson Williams, like, could he have mm-hmm. a big play? But his number is 32 and a half. Uh, so they ping-pong mm-hmm. back from Josh Reynolds to Jameson Williams this week. Another angle. I can see at. that. I can see that. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Rick Camp lets us know if the Suns' big comeback is a sign of things to come for one of the more hyped teams in the Western Conference. Plus his bets for tonight, all coming up on the BetQL Network.